This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. Why don't you all Don't try to dig what we all say. I was uh, 11 years old when that clip came out, so... uh, Kind of takes us back. Some of us were teenagers, and yeah, uh, during that time. It reminds us that every generation puts its own stamp on the pop culture and has an effect on, on life and faith. And so today, as we are talking about millennials and the connection of faith and life, I want to invite three millennials to join me. And uh, so I'm privileged to have with us. Today, uh, these three individuals, I'll let them introduce themselves. So tell us a little bit about, first, who you are, uh, when you started coming to Schweitzer, and what keeps you busy in life. So um, for myself, I'm Bob Cassidy. I've been the pastor here since the year 2000. I am married to Susan. We have three adult children, and we have a grandson who ate his spinach very well last night. I'm Lance Roffers. I have been coming to Schweitzer for about seven years now. Um, I'm married to Allison, who's out there in the crowd right there. So, uh, what keeps me busy? I have a nine-month-old, so if anyone has children, you kind of know that keeps me busy most all the time. Uh, in my work life, I'm a manager at a financial services company, so lead a team of individuals there, and I spend a lot of time there also. My name is You work with microphones a lot. No. <laughs> My name is KJ and I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> okay. Uh I've been coming here since June 8th of this past summer. Uh I'm the director of worship here. Um what keeps me busy is Bob Cassidy. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys. So yeah. You can remove his mic now. Just Hi, my name is Hannah Lee. I just graduated from Missouri State University last May. And now during the day, I'm a preschool teacher. And at night, I am taking classes at Evangel to get my master's in school counseling. Um, I started uh, coming to Schweitzer about a year ago when I got involved in their youth group. I volunteer with them every Wednesday night. And I lead a 7th and 8th grade girls small group. And I helped them go on retreats and trips, and I even went on their mission trip to Iowa last summer. All right. Awesome. Well, let's start by talking about our our faith. In the Bible, there's all kinds of God's stories, and sometimes these stories are disconnected. They're confusing. It's hard to understand sometimes all the stories in the Bible. But there is this one grand sweeping story in Scripture, and it's about this God that keeps pursuing us. No matter how much we mess up, no matter who we are, God keeps wanting to have this relationship with us. And ultimately, it's about how God finds us through Jesus Christ. 
restoring us and reconciling us to God and to each other. And uh, so I want to ask the three of you to say a word about your own God story, how you stepped into God's story, how you have begun your journey with God. Well, my dad is a Methodist pastor in Rolla, so I've grown up in the church my whole life. Um, when he, when I was a baby, people would pass me around during the service, and I'd just flow throughout the sanctuary. And if I cried, my dad would just hold me while he preached. So I just, that's my story of how involved I am in church and how I started just when I was a baby going to church. And I've also been um, a core staff at Camp Galilee, so Christian church camp. And I also am really involved in a campus ministry. So I've never even had a chance to stray away from the faith, even if I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Ham. Uh, similarly, I was also uh, raised in the church. I was adopted at six and a half months old from Korea uh, and then brought to Texas, uh, also known as the Promised Land. And, uh, <laughs> and there I was raised in the ways of the Lord. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess that's been my, my journey. I thought Texas was a foreign country also. I didn't. Yeah, the Promised Land. Oh, the Promised Land. Yeah, I got you. Well, I, I think Bob probably planned this because in the first one we did this as well, and I was the only one that came a little later in life also. But uh, I was not raised in the church. Um, my parents were separated and weren't really involved in the church at all. In fact, they were kind of an opposite influence. So it was something that I came to a little later in life, and in fact, I was uh, baptized here you know, as an adult. So. When you think about your own relationship with God and how it is evolving and changing. What would be some ways in which you're growing in your faith? What would be some adjectives that you would use to describe your relationship with God or how you know God to be? Uh, My words would be powerful and compassionate because with every struggle that I face, God is always powerful enough to bring good out of the challenge that I face. And he's always compassionate, and I can always feel his love even when I'm having a really bad day. Uh, I guess I would say relational and confusing. I know it's kind of weird to describe a relationship as a relational, but um, it's definitely like a two-way conversation, a lot of dialogue going on. Uh, And it's definitely confusing, too, uh, in a lot of the same ways that I have some miscommunications with my girlfriend. Sometimes I don't understand what God is saying, but we push through it and, uh, and really kind of work through that, so... I think one of the words that I would use to describe him would be mysterious. Um, when I first started coming to know him, you know, there were a lot of mysteries with God, a lot of things that I maybe didn't understand as well as uh, I would have liked to. Um, you know, it, it's this intangible thing that you can't see and you can't touch. And, and uh, as I've gone along and gotten to know him more, I've gotten to know uh He's powerful. I think I'd use that adjective as well, Hannah. And he's become more tangible in my life. And I can feel the love that uh, you know, he preaches about and all the good that he does in my life. I can actually see that as I get to know him more. Okay. Well, let's uh, shift gears and let's talk a little bit about mentoring relationships. The Apostle Paul is writing to young Timothy in the scripture that we are looking at today. In the Bible, you've got a lot of mentoring relationships. I think of Naomi and Ruth in the Old Testament. I think of Elijah and Elisha. 
And sometimes in, in the Scripture, the younger generation is really speaking into the life of the older generation. I think of young David, the shepherd boy, trying to help King Saul out. Or um, Eli is uh, mentoring Samuel, but toward the end of life, it's Samuel that's speaking into Eli's life. Uh, mentoring mutual relationships are a key in life. It's just so important to have other people step into our life and for us to step into other people's lives. And I think about uh, a ton of people that have blessed me and mentored me in life. And one of the ironic ones, I would say, was about eight years ago when a younger guy came up to me and said, Bob, I want you to mentor me. Would you help me to grow in the faith? And so we began this relationship and through that relationship, I would have to say that that guy helped me as much or more than I helped him because he restored my spiritual passion. He helped me to see uh, through the lens of an outsider. And so I was really blessed and touched by my relationship with this guy. And uh, it's, it's other people like that that continue to be in my life <clears throat> that play that significant role. So I'd like for each of you to talk about a key relationship in your life what uh, was it or is it uh, uh, the qualities about that person and how is it they've impacted you in such a big way? You want me to go? You want to jump in? Yeah, I'll go awesome. ahead and go. Um, <laughs> for me, I kind of shared a little bit about the fact that I didn't grow up in the church. And so when I was actually growing up, uh, my parents were not Christians. They didn't really involve Christianity in, in my life at all. In fact, they probably were the opposite of it a little bit because there was quite a bit of anger uh, back and forth with the, the two of them and, and maybe some anger and things that had happened in life. So uh, my grandmother was actually a person that became heavily involved in my life and um, she would preach to me a little bit. She would talk to me about uh, the fact that there are other ways in life, um, the ways of love and the ways of God. And a lot of times she was actually directing me and teaching me, and, and I wouldn't realize it. Um, I'm really into sports, so she would sit and watch uh, sporting events with me. And, and uh, during the commercials, half times, things like that, she would just kind of talk to me about life and the way things were going um, for me. And, and also just trying to remind me that, uh, you know, there was someone above that, that loved me. And um, like I say, a lot of times I didn't even realize what she was doing. I didn't realize the, the relationship was, was going in that direction at all. And um, a lot of times she would kind of root for the other team just to dig at me a little bit. And, and uh, we'd have a lot of fun with that. And uh, by the time I left, you know, I would be filled with uh, this excitement that I didn't really know how to describe. And, and as I've gotten to know now, you know, I know that's probably the power of the Holy Spirit. But uh, uh, my grandmother was definitely a huge part in shaping who I am. Uh, for me, one of my, there are a lot of mentors in my life, a lot of people that, that helped me work through some things growing up. Uh, but the one that comes to mind that I really celebrate right now is my voice teacher for the past two years. Uh, we would get together, and as I was studying music, whether it was classical music or contemporary worship music, um, you know, she would obviously correct my technique and help me to get better in, in that sense. Uh, but something that she always did uh, well, she would say, KJ, give people every opportunity to engage with what you're doing. And that's something that really spoke to me 
uh, and she was just such a mentor in, in learning how to live my faith out loud and learning how to care for people. She had such a sweet, has, she's not dead, uh, she, has, she has such a sweet spirit about her, so empathetic, and that's uh, something that I've really learned from her. And it was never anything that we planned on, we were just there to, to do voice lessons, but her faith was so loud that I couldn't help but soak it in. Hmm. Growing up in the church, I had a lot of adults that I got to admire, and one just recently is one of my mom's friends. Her name is Lori, and about 20 years ago, she started a summer camp in Rolla, and they had to quit their jobs. They had to quit everything and take this huge leap of faith because they knew that that was what God wanted them to do, and so they built these cabins, and now this camp is really successful. They have um, people from all over America fly in to go to this camp. And it's an animal-slash-science camp. It's the only camp in the world with its own zoo. It's got, like, over 300 animals. It's really cool. And so you think, like, um, following God's call to, like, build this camp would be enough. But no, she has to go above and beyond. And um, she just started some work in Jamaica, which happens to be my favorite country. And my family has gotten to go there the past two Christmases and spend Christmas in their vacation home with them. And um, just some things that she does in Jamaica, they have been serving a Christmas dinner to the kids and the adults of Jamaica, and they've served like over 300 people. And we have tons of cupcakes, like multiple vehicles full of cupcakes and gallons, like of gallon buckets of chicken, like so much food. And I handed out tons of applesauce, like pictures of applesauce to these kids that never even heard of applesauce. And... So on top of that, she started a thrift store in Jamaica. So it gives people a job, and then it also gives people clothes. And the people in, from my church in Rolla donate these clothes, and then they ship them to Jamaica. And so she started that thrift store, and it's really successful. And then she also donates Bibles and school supplies and um, helps the people of Jamaica. And she knows, like, so many people, and she's always checking up on them every time she goes. And... There's a little boy that she took to the hospital when his dad was in the hospital, and she sat with him in the waiting room for hours and um, just, like, talked to him and kept him company. And she got a little boy a bike when he didn't have any transportation to school. She just, like, done so much stuff. And not only in Jamaica, but I just found out that in Rolla, she's starting a nonprofit organization. To um, she, built, she bought a big building, and she's turning it into apartments so people that don't have a place to stay can live there and learn how to, like, live and get their feet off the ground, and she's going to help them with that. And she's always, she says that God always tells her what to do, and she always has a new project, and she asks God for guidance, and he always answers her. And just one thing about her, um, when we were in Jamaica, I was really interested in the food, and so I told her, I was like, I just really want to learn more about, like, the fruits and the vegetables in Jamaica. And she said, okay, let's go, let's go right now. So we got in the car, and we went to the... Um, the market and learned like she's talked with me about all the vegetables for like ever and um while we were in the car I was like Lori you're a great host and she was like no I'm not I'm actually working on my hospitality and I was like what how is that even possible and she even said that she'd been reading that morning about how um Jesus had hospitality and how it's what it's like to be that hospitable to people and it's just really amazing how she like how she's so humble and she doesn't know um that she's like doing so much good and um, I really look up to her and I want to be like that big of a servant for God. Wow. What an amazing person. You know, I think about um, what we're wanting to do at Schweitzer and part of our big vision 
as we build a, a ministry with and for millennials, we really want to create these relationships, or we want to create a culture where intergenerational relationships can happen in the ways that has been described this morning. Uh, a relationship where we all need our peer friendships. We all need those peer relationships, uh, horizontal relationships with our own generation. But we also need the vertical relationship, or we need that relationship with people of a different generation that can speak love and truth and insight into our life that we can't otherwise receive. I think of the, of the idea that we all want to change the world. We want to impact the world for good. And I really believe that we do that one life at a time and one relationship at a time. And if every one of us in this room had a significant mentoring relationship with a person of a different generation, what a huge impact that would have. And uh, how we need to be challenged. How we all need to have other people that draw our gifts out of us. Because sometimes I get stuck. Sometimes I get confused in my relationship with God. And I need somebody else to help me to, to get unstuck, if you will. Uh, I think of the Apostle Paul's words to Timothy when he says, Do not neglect the gift that you have. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. What's Paul doing to young Timothy? He's saying, don't forget about your gift. Immerse yourself in your calling. Be about what God wants you to do. And we need that encouragement. So I would like to ask each of the three of you to be a little vulnerable and take the risk of saying or uh, talking about something where you could ask for some help, where you are being challenged, and uh, you could benefit from a relationship with someone of a like-mindedness with you that would help you in your challenge. Well, I think the one that jumps out for me immediately is I, I mentioned earlier that I have a nine-month-old, and well... That's that's kind of a, a big big eye opener for me, and uh, the big challenge for that is is I truly believe that it's up to me to teach her how a man should treat a woman and and how a man should be as a, an individual in her life as she grows. Um, I think that it's it's important for me to uh, be an example that's Christ-like and something or an individual that she can be proud of, uh, hopefully someone that she can look to and count on. Um, for me, you know, that's, that's a big, big challenge in my life that uh, wasn't there and now is there, and it's something that consumes me, and I think about a lot, uh, just about all the time probably, where um, the, the decisions and the actions that I'm making, she's seeing and she's learning from them. And, um, you know, I, I like to blow raspberries with her and she'll do that right back. And so it's just immediate how she learns and, and looks at what I do and, and emulates it. So it's important for me at all times to keep that in mind. And, um, you know, I look to others for examples as well of, of how to be that good influence and to be uh, a good father to her. That's awesome, Lance. Uh, look forward to the day when you get to take your daughter out on dates. Yeah. That, that, that will yeah, be, totally be fun. That will be fun. Uh, interestingly enough, one of the things that's really challenging me right now is 
uh, how to train other people to do things like me. Um, I would not be the person that I am were it not for older people pouring into my life um, and just hanging out with me and inviting me to their homes, you know, uh, whatever. And so now I'm in a position where I've got younger people looking up to me, uh, whether it be in the youth group or uh, even like my niece and nephew back home. Um, so I've never been really in a big in a place where I've been at a leadership position where there are people younger than me, and uh, I definitely love to hang out with them and love to, to work with them, but I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, so if I could get some help with that, I think that's something that I would love. Okay. Thanks, KJ. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm in a campus ministry, and it actually used to be a part of Schweitzer. It's called the Green Room Campus Ministry. And I started there my freshman year, and my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, we had a college pastor who did everything for us. He led the worship, and he um, did the messages on Wednesday nights, and took us on mission trips. And a year ago, the start of my senior year, we found out that he got a real pastor job at a different church. And we had no one to replace him, and so we basically didn't know what to do. And there was about 30 of us um, my first three years of college at Green Room. And um, when he left, we didn't know what to do. And we um, kind of, people looked at us and like didn't think that we were going to make it. And they didn't really believe in us. But we knew that this was um, a ministry that God wanted to keep going. And we knew that we could do it. And so it was a challenge for us to just start the ministry. And um, by the end of my senior year, we only had 10 people in Green Room every Wednesday night. And it was a really big struggle, but we kept persevering, and we knew that God wanted us there. And um, the Wednesday nights were great, but um, people weren't coming. And so this summer, we said, we have, to, like, we have to do good this year, and we have to get more people. And so we met for a million times this summer, and they were like, we had meetings that were like five hours long, and we planned everything. And so we worked really hard on getting people, and now um, the past... We started, we've had like five green rooms, I think, and each one has had over 30 people at green room. And it's all because of us. Like, we have no adults. We're, I'm the oldest one there. We all do it all. We have a, a student worship band. We, have, we take turns giving the message and inviting people and giving flyers out. And we're going on a retreat next weekend, and we have 20 people signed up, and we're doing it all by ourselves. And so it's just been a challenge to persevere and to know that God's with us and he's rooting for us. But um, we're getting it. We're getting through. Well, we want to encourage you in that. That's, that's great. It's amazing how when there's a vacuum, new leader, leadership can step into that vacuum. And that's what you see happening. I want us to think about our lives a little bit. And uh, I want to think about the church in, uh, and how that the three of you could speak into the life of us this morning. An example of this are the words that uh, the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, and these are the words of Scripture from 1 Timothy 4, where Paul says to Timothy, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that they may see your progress. 
Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So those are challenging words that an older guy, the Apostle Paul, speaks into the life of a young pastor, Timothy. So in that same spirit, I would like to give each of you an opportunity to speak into our life this morning. What would be the challenge? What would you uh, say to us in terms of your dream and what you aspire the church to be and for us to be as individuals? Well, I'm going to speak for the younger millennials, the college-age students. Um, When you see a college-age student walk into the church, be as welcoming as you possibly can. Like, we, are, we went to a hometown church all our life, and now we're looking for a new church, and we are scared to death to try a new church. And it's terrifying to walk in and not know a single person. And I went to a church a while back, and me and my friend walked in. We couldn't even find the sanctuary. We had no idea where we were. And we were so, like, confused. And a lady just, like, popped out of nowhere, and she was like, Hey, my name's so-and-so. What's your name? Tell me about yourself. And here's a donut. It's not an option. Go get one. I know you want one. And here's the sanctuary. And this is what the service is going to be like. She told us where the college kids sit. And she told us what the service is like and where we can go um, sign up for more information and who we should meet if we're interested in the campus ministry and where the bathrooms are. She told us everything, like anything we ever need to know about the church we knew. And that was just awesome. I, I, think, I don't think she was a greeter. I think she was actually just like sitting at a table eating a donut and saw us and knew we wanted help. And so I just encourage you to welcome everyone that ever comes into this building, especially college students, because you might be the only adult we talk to all week. All week. And so make it count and make it a good one. And we're not really looking for a really good service. We're looking for a really good church family because we don't have that here. And... Um, so when you see a college student, that's my challenge, to just welcome them. And don't, we're, we're not scared. We, we just need someone to help us and tell us what's going on. That's great. You know, uh, it reminds me of the 510 rule. If we, every one of us took five minutes every Sunday and looked around us, ten feet around us, and spotted somebody we didn't know and introduced ourselves and just made that connection. Now, that's, that's huge. Thanks, Hannah. Yeah, I would definitely echo that. Uh, One of my dreams uh, would be to lead worship for like a huge crowd of people of all ages and of all races and all languages. That would be amazing. Uh, But (laughs) barring that happening, I'd like to see it start here uh, just by talking to people. I have personally been trying to like go out and talk to you guys before server starts and like even before the countdown timer starts. Uh, And that's terrifying um, but I love it. And definitely when I was in college, I was like, oh, look at all these little kids and look at all these older people. This is amazing because in college, all you, ha- all you see are people your age, except your professors, but they're your professors. So you're not going to be like, hey, prof, what's up? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just talking to people. Uh, there are so many people here, even at Schweitzer, that I don't know, and I've been here for three months, and um, I would love to get to know everyone, just to, to look out into this crowd and to see some faces that aren't like other band members and be like, oh, hey, I know this person. How are you doing? You know, uh, that would be really great. So definitely, I think I would just echo that. 
Well, I shared a little bit about the fact that uh, I wasn't raised in the church, and, and like I said, um, some of the ideas that were uh, presented to me as I was growing up, a lot of the times, uh, you know, I would do something and I would be told that I'm going to hell for that, or, uh, you know, it was, it was almost seen as, as something that I should be afraid of. I should fear God and, instead of uh, um, being in love with God. And so something that I would challenge our individuals, especially those individuals who've grown up in the church and, and really uh, no other way, know no other way, that we really are tasked with, if we're going to represent ourselves as Christians, as the representation of the individuals that we want to be and the perception that we want our church to have, um, when we're out in our day-to-day lives, we really don't know the impact that we can have on individuals at times. Um, there were people who were kind to me whenever I was growing up and going through a tough time, and, and they didn't realize uh, just their simple act of kindness, just their one word of encouragement, the impact that that could actually have on me. And by being Christ followers and individuals that represent what Jesus taught us, you know, we can actually change into we can change people's lives and not even know it. All right. Well, I want to just say that my dream is that uh, we balance this understanding of core beliefs and diverse opinions because I think there's so many diverse opinions going on in the church as well as in the world. And we need to be able to have some space for that. At the same time, never lose our core identity in Jesus, that our identity is in this person that was actually a human being who is actually divine, and he lived this life and his teachings, and through his cross and his resurrection, that's our hope, that's the living faith that we've been given and that, so that's our identity. That's our identity. Our identity is in Christ. And yet if someone doesn't agree with us or maybe doesn't even believe in this stuff, that they are welcome. That the price of admission is not for you to believe in everything, but we'll love you just the same. And I think that's the spirit and the teaching and the relationship that Jesus offers. So I want to thank... Uh, Lance and KJ and Hannah for uh, being up here today with us and sharing your thoughts and insights. I want to encourage each of you before you leave today to think about one significant thing that one of these persons said. And would you share that with somebody else in your life? Because I, I think we heard some good wisdom today. Let's show our appreciation for these students.